The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to part two of our training camp preview. I'm Alf, I have Chris, and let's try this one more time. Simon, do we have Simon? No, I don't think you showed up again. I'm here. And there he is. I was just teasing. Yeah. Well, this is part two of the training camp preview. And we do have Simon. We have Chris. We have a full boat today. We will have a giveaway on the second half of the show. Chris will read out a question. You're going to have to answer it online to three yards per carry. And you will win a $30 gift card to Texas Roadhouse. But first, I love that place. Where were you last week? I was uh, out commiserating, shall we say. (laughs) Well, you know the 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 kind old couple that uh, that brought you back that saw the lost posters we put up and brought you back from uh, from uh, from somewhere down in a, in a gutter. Yeah, in a gutter. They said that you were asleep in a in a pool of your own piss and sorrow. Yeah, I had, uh, I, I got up the next morning. Had these big yellow stains on the front of my trousers. <laughs> I, was I didn't. I didn't really, listeners. I'm not that sort of human being. <laughs> Piss myself. I mean, there's no allegedly about it. It's stone cold fact. <laughs> yeah. In case people are just wondering, like, you know, what are we talking about? Obviously, we're talking about England's loss in the semifinal. And Wait, we lost? Yes, you did. Mm. Yeah. The World Cup is not residing in your country. Simon. It's not coming home. No, it's Let not. me it's tell you this year. all about that loss, Simon. <laughs> Let's relive oh, every a, moment. There's a funny crackle on the line, Chris. You're breaking up. <laughs> so, obviously... How did the U.S. get on, by the way? Uh, the U.S.? Uh, yeah. Brilliantly. We, we, we had high ratings for watching the World Cup. Yeah, they don't you play don't, the you, sport, no. Really? No, I don't think so. Oh. Yeah. No, we play a different sport called soccer. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> How did you get on in the soccer World Cup? Even worse. Oh. <laughs> Is that possible? Yeah, in case in case you don't follow local politics, Simon, there is I a do, huge been, yes. There's a huge brouhaha. This is the David Beckham thing, yeah. Yeah, over the MLS stadium down here. And Jorge yeah. Mas is trying to get it built and Billy Corbin is hell bent on not having it happen. <laughs> I love Billy. He's such a funny guy. <laughs> yeah. But in this case he's full, completely full of crap. Okay. Now, <laughs> now let's completely move on on that. All right. We are going to take up the quarterbacks, the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running backs, tight ends, everything, and your Twitter questions. But first, we have a new sponsor to the show, and we would like to welcome them. They are Doral Toyota. We are excited to introduce you to our newest partner, which, like us, is pure South Florida. Well, although we have a guy here from London. (laughs) That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models, whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle. Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is also available for your credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305-680-1129 or come in, you will work with a dedicated manager, not a salesman. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest 
and transparent buying process. That's Doral Toyota at DoralToyota.com. Or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. And now, on with the show. Guys. Oh, so you did well there, Mike. I did. Yeah. Doral's yes. a nice area, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a great area. And that area, is especially, it's right next to the Dolphin Mall, right next to International International Mall, and you also have uh, La Carretas there. Who? Did you sneeze? Yeah, it's a Cuban restaurant. Nice. Yeah, everything's there. It's it's a great area. But, yeah, we're here. There's football in the air, Simon. I don't know if you listened to the pod last week, but... I I did, Okay. whilst I was wetting my trousers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it was already getting a little bit weird around here, and it was two weeks of us talking absolute nonsense. But now the actual sport is actually kicking off. Yeah, I saw Bryce Petty on Instagram loading his car up saying, you know, it's time for my fourth (laughs) training camp. And it feels like it's actually, you know, you see Instagram pictures of, you know, But it feels like it's last. You follow Bryce Petty on Instagram? I follow all the Dolphin players who are on Instagram solely so I can interject wondrous moments like this into the podcast, such as... Leonte Carew packing his car and driving home. Bryce Petty and his wife in Mexico on holiday. Kenyon Drake in Texas. All, all these wonderful things. Rashad Jones getting a massage in his swimming pool. I mean, <laughs> actually hiring a woman to come and massage him. I think Rashad Jones had the best idea out of all those guys you just mentioned. Can I just say one thing, by the way, about Dural? Um, Doral Toyota. I just went onto their website whilst you were talking to see if I could drop in like, oh, Enrique is a great guy. And up on their website, <laughs> up on their website, they've got a little chat thing and, and the, lady, the chat lady who who is, you know, like a little kind of breakout widget thing for, for live chat. Yes. And the lady at Doral Toyota is actually saying, hi, would you like to chat? So whilst we're doing this, I'm going to chat to the lady at Doral Toyota. Oh, and nice. I'm going to give you feedback. That's oh, what she says. As Fantastic. Could you this. ask her dolphins questions like that we can't answer or, or just otherwise are stupid on? Absolutely. I've said hi, so I'll see what she says. Well, this She's... is part two of our training camp special. So I guess I'll kick it off with the most important position on the team, quarterback. Now, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this, but Chris, how many do we keep? Do we trade Brock Osweiler? Does he have any value whatsoever? Can we get a half-eaten tuna sandwich for him at the end of camp? Hi, my name is Zach, and I'm happy to help you today. Who do I have the pleasure of chatting with? Carry on. Okay. Ask ask them, if you could, for me, um, what we can get uh, for Brock Osweiler and trade-in. Cool, I'll ask you in a Nothing. sec. Shall I ask him about the Toyota Osweiler? <laughs> I'm going to say I have a 2012 Toyota Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> I, trade I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to broadcast us trolling them. <laughs> we're not trolling. We're, having a we're not trolling. We're having, we're having a great time. We're having here. a chat, and they're being incredibly helpful. Well, being while, while, while Zach gets the answer to your question, uh, back to the first question you asked, Alf. How many do they keep? The answer should be three. They're going to keep three this year. I know they kept uh, or they tried to keep two in the previous years, but it just seems like all signs are pointing toward them actually keeping three of them. Um, you know, talk. They've talked about Osweiler a bit and and Bryce Petty um, coming in. I think I think that David Fails is the second guy right now. Uh, not Nick Fails. He's uh, he's got a different deal. Um, but he's he's the second guy to Ryan Tannehill uh, right now, and I think that they're gonna they might feel a little bit of obligation maybe to keep Brock Osweiler on the roster or maybe Bryce Petty on the roster um, when when push comes to shove at the end of at the end of training camp. I don't know what you think, but I've I've considered them very likely to keep three. I think I think you're right, and I think Fails is the two, and I think Petty will probably win the three job. We've discussed this before. I don't think Osweiler is is married to this team in the way that we thought he might have been when he was signed. I don't think he's married to Adam Gaze. Um, I have an update from Zach in a second, um, and I, I I think we'll go into the season with Tannehill the number one, with Fails the number two, and Petty the number three. And I don't know if you've seen it today, but we've talked about the Dolphins social media. There's a great sort of three and a half minute video of Tannehill. 
um, in sort of springtime doing, uh, you know, a kind of where he's mic'd up, which is great. And it's clear that he's back. It's clear that he's, a, you know, it, it was fascinating to see him kind of leading these guys, wasn't it? And really kind of, really kind of getting the team together and shouting at guys and talking about angles of passes and those sorts of things. And uh, But I think that's that's how it will break down. I think it'll be Tannehill 1, obviously, fails 2, and, uh, and Petty 3 with Oswald of the odd man out. You two both said it. You two both said it, though. If I could just interject real quick about the Miami Dolphins, uh, their social media department, um, and they are doing a fantastic job putting out videos like this, like this. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill mic'd up, and uh, it, it's been it's a nice look into into practice that we haven't been getting in previous years. And honestly, you know, I, I'm glad that it's happening now. I wish it. W- I actually do wish it would have happened previously because. There's this whole narrative out there that Ryan Tannehill's not a good leader, that he doesn't, um, you know, doesn't take control of the team, doesn't. Talk. And here we are, we're seeing in the mic'd up session. I mean, I don't know what what he looked like to you guys, but he certainly looked like a leader. Sharp, yeah. yeah, moving well as well. Yeah, moving yeah, absolutely. Really well. Um, Zach says thanks. It's going well. Yes, that would be possible to trade in your Toyota Osweiler. <laughs> How many miles? Are on your trading. A lot. How many yards does he have? He doesn't have very many. Career yards. That's interesting. Brock Osweiler. Career passing yards. He has. So Arizona State, he had 5,082. I might have to add them all up. In the NFL, he has 6,171. What's that? Let's say 12,500 miles. Yeah, that, that sounds about fair. Well, before we move on to the offensive line, I have a couple of Twitter questions. And this one is from David Bullen at dbullen98. And he writes, considering Tannehill has been out for 18 months, how much do you see him playing in the preseason? How about you, Simon? I mean, I think he'll, that they will treat him exactly the same as everybody else. Uh, I can't see that you'd have him any other way. He needs to be. The flip side to the fact that he's been out for 18 months means that he's been out for 18 months. Therefore, he needs all the live reps that he can get. He needs to feel comfortable in that game situation when the picture in his mind is changing all the time there are people around about his legs and around about his ankles because he won't get that it will be sanitized through training camp he will have to be out there when the live bullets are there it can't be week one of the regular season when the first time he's feeling that live action will be you know will be then he has to play the first series of of week uh, week one of the preseason the first two series of week two of the preseason probably the first half of you know, week three or into the second quarter of, of week three of the preseason and then sit out week four because that's t- that's what happens. Um, but I just don't think you go into week one of an NFL regular season without having played any of the, you know, he's going to need it for his own mental stability, for his own understanding of, okay, this is going to need to take a hit or two so that he can sit there and think, you know, this is um, this is good. This is, uh, I- I'm ready. I can, I can take it. I- I've torn a knee ligament before playing soccer and, um, the very first time you go back into the tackle is the first time, you know, you're nervous about it beforehand, but then you go in for a tackle and you win the ball or you, it doesn't matter, you lose the ball and the knee, but the knee holds up and you're like, okay, this is, this is good because I've been nervous about this for eight months and, and it, and it feels fine. There wasn't a pain. There wasn't anything. And now I can, now I can just concentrate on going in for some, you know, you think about it, you do think about it for a couple of games and, and then it just becomes, it's just one of those things. It just, you know, you know, it's fine. It feels good, but that's going to be what happens to him. He's going to have to feel good. What what particular vehicle would we be interested in from Toyota Doral? Zach asks. Hmm. Hmm. Is there a, a Toyota? Is there a Toyota Rogers? I mean, that's I'll a good accept one. a Toyota Breeze. I mean, I feel bad for winding Zach. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do I actually ask him about a Toyota Breeze? Spelled B R E E S. Yeah, I don't think that this yes. trolling segment is really going to come off what. all that well. I, I don't. I, this is not trolling. This is we're not we trolling. This not is a guy all. on the other this end is at Doral, a, and you're wasting this his time. This is great customer service. Buying a car right now. You are on live with yeah. three yards per carry. Just tell Zach, you know. You're on live with three yards per carry, and we want to know if we can get a Toyota Breeze out of you for, uh, for I don't know, under. So I, I put, I'd love a Toyota Breeze. Under 75 million. B R E E S. And then I've said, oh no, I spelled that wrong. B R E E Z E, as if I was taking, you know, I don't want to be seen to be completely taking the mick out. Yeah. Well, Chris, here's a question for you on the same subject. And that's, this one is from David Eversall. At Sports All Dave, and he writes, with all the new skill position players and the return of Ryan Tannehill, what will be the biggest difference in the offense? 
play calling, tempo, personnel groupings, etc. Uh, absolutely, it's going to be the tempo. Yeah, they went no huddle for two games, and it was successful as far as Ryan Tannehill went. His passer rating was phenomenal, but then they gave it up, and we always wondered why. And we, you know, there's lots of theories and rumors and stuff like that. We still don't know. But one thing's for sure: this, the they've they've talked about it way too much uh, this off season to just. You know, stick their toe in the water again. So they're gonna they're gonna do it. They're gonna actually do it this time. And um, and I think that's gonna be the biggest difference that you're gonna see, at least as a fan. You know, just watching the game, you're like, wow, I don't remember them being this fast. I don't remember this uh, them doing this much no huddle. And that's because I think that their goal, at least when they're home, they're gonna try and do it 50 percent of the time uh, of the snaps, and then you're gonna see you're gonna see that that happening. So I think that that's probably that's probably what I would say would be the biggest difference. Uh, the quarterback position is obviously the most important position on the field, but it's really what's gonna dictate our entire season. If Ryan Tannehill is healthy for 16 games, I really do believe that we can be a playoff team. And who knows? Maybe, maybe even better. Maybe he returns and he improves off of his 2016. And if he is not healthy, then this is not going to be a very good football team. So, what if we're not a very good football team anyway? Even with him, what? then I, I even think, with him. Okay, then I think that everything is on the table, and they need to do a complete reevaluation of what they're doing and what they have done. So, do you think a complete reevaluation means a complete reevaluation of a general manager slash front office, b head coach, c quarterback? I think everything except the head coach is up for consideration. Interesting, for Chris. I mean, think about it this way, though. Why? Why are we? Why bother even having this this sort of conversation about you know who's going to go and stuff like that? Think about what I mean to take that roster in 2016 and go 10 and six and get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they go 6-10 and 10 last year, but they had lost the franchise quarterback before he even played a preseason game. Um, you know, it just seems, it just seems weird to, that everybody's kind of having these conversations about, about um, you know, who's going to get fired next year and stuff like that. I, I think it's... Is, uh, is, this team, is this team heading into the 2018 season better than the team that went to the playoffs in 2016? Absolutely. On paper. Absolutely. Oh, so yeah. even without Landry, even without yes. Sue, yes, Chris, yeah. uh, I'm 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 not gonna say for sure. I'm not gonna say absolutely. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure that it is. But why would uh, you, you say yes so definitively, Alf? Oh, I think because of the the talent level, the talent level is is broader and wider. You know, this team is completely healthy right now, so we're assuming health. You know, if we do get health, this secondary is much, much better. The defensive line is better, even without Ndamukong Sue. And the offensive line is definitely better, because if you remember that one, that one was falling apart toward the the end of the year. They had three new starters at the end of the year. And you know my opinion on Jay Ajayi versus Kenyon Drake, and I really like what's behind Kenyon Drake, too. So you have a year more of Ryan Tannehill. And really, what's the loss? The loss is what? Jarvis Landry on offense? Yeah, but you're getting Mike Kosecki, okay? And you are getting Albert Wilson. You're getting Danny Amendola, which should mitigate some of those losses. So, yeah, I think this team is much, much better. We made the playoffs with Spencer Paysinger. Just just remember that, people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Let's kick on and look at the offensive line, which will be remodeled fairly significantly from last year. If we look at, Let's look at the players that we have on the roster currently. So let's start a tackle. With, we have Laramie Tunsil and Juwan James, who we think will be the two starters. And then Sam Young, who's played pretty well in, in, in backup duty. And Zach Stirrup and, and Eric Smith. And Rubens Joseph uh, would it be our backup tackles currently going into training camp at guard. Uh, Jesse Davis and uh, and Josh, Shit- Josh Sitton look like the starters. Almost said Josh Shitton, which would have been uncomfortable <laughs> for everybody. Um, and then backed up by, amongst others, uh, Ted Larson, who you would... Imagine being the number three guard uh, with Jake Brendel, who can play centre and guard Isaac Aziata, who's got a lot of work to do. Yes. Uh, and David Steinmetz, the, the free agent uh, guard in our centres. We we think that Daniel Kilgore will get the job, but obviously Larson can play centre. Jake Brendel can play centre. Colin Hilland, uh, the free agent, can play centre. As can Mike Matthews. So that's our, our current roster. How do you see how do you see this going? From let's start with the tackles outside. Tunsil and, and James look fairly set. James obviously 
as a sort of upper echelon right tackle in you know, an average right tackles in the, F- in the NFL. And I, I think we'd all like a little bit more from, from Laramie, who would just begin to justify some of that pre-draft um, hyperbole about him being a, a future all-pro. He's not quite got to that point yet. He's had stretches of very, very solid play, sometimes very good play, and other times he just lets himself down with some... I think it's probably mental issues, guys, don't you think? More than it, certainly not physical. It just seems to be just concentration and mental breakdowns that seem to just slightly let him down. And hopefully that will come with maturity. He seems to be growing up as a human being and with Tannehill back and sitting next to him, that kind of wily, experienced veteran, then perhaps we could be finally seeing what we all thought we saw coming into the coming into the draft where he was selected. First off, young players get better uh, from second to third year, it, especially if since last year was his first year playing left tackle. You should generally just assume that that's the base case, right? That, that a young player second to third year just keeps improving. So, yeah, he will improve. But in addition, they, they got Josh Sitton in part because of uh, the improvement that they want out of Laramie Tunsil. Having a guy covering his uh, covering his inside shoulder like Josh Sitton can, should certainly help him, especially you know as as Sitton can point things out and communicate better with him. And I think that uh, they're they're expecting more things from Tunsil in particular because they've got a guy protecting his inside post like um, Sitton himself is fantastic pass protector. I mean you you cannot bull rush the guy. Um, and uh, I think that he's uh, a very savvy veteran and it'll help with the communication and the, the chemistry on, on stunts and twists and games and things like that. Um, and then a, a center with Daniel Kilgore, the improvement that they're going to get out of Daniel Kilgore rather than Mike Pouncey is, is really looking at the fact that Kilgore is with them practicing as the center right now you know or, or has been in OTAs and will all through training camp and he'll be there during the week during installs he'll he'll be practicing with the team they won't be like you know unsealed or cut out of bubble wrap on game day uh mm-hmm. to try and make sure that he can play all 16 Sundays Jesse Davis when he played at right guard particularly for the last 6 games of the the season he, he ranked as an above-average pass protector at the right guard position. Jawan James uh, wasn't just above-average in pass protection. He was elite at pass protection. Pass protection uh, is also uh, an area of strength for Daniel Kilgore. We know about Josh Sitton, and we hope to get better out of Laramie Tunsil. So basically, in pass protection, this offensive line should be phenomenal, I think, I think as a whole, as a unit. Um, the, the question is run blocking, uh, and that's always the question. There, there's a lot of unproven there, and that's where we'll have to see. What do you reckon, Alf? Well, I don't think that run blocking is going to be too much of an issue because we have the right running back to mitigate that. Because last year, Kenyon Drake led the league in average yards after contact behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Nobody, and obviously the year before, it was J.H.I. who led, that, led the league in that that category but if you remember last year there were a lot of people that thought that ted larson and isaac aziata were going to be two starters on this offensive line now they're behind josh sitton and jesse davis so obviously that's a huge improvement from one year to the next and our center this year is actually ambulatory the last one we had there couldn't practice had the hips of a what what was it chris an 80 year old 70-year-old at least. <laughs> yeah. So Actually, that's a quote that the, we, we joke about. That That's a quote that was actually given to me from um, from medical people associated with the team, not necessarily on the team. But, um, yeah, that's that was an actual quote. <laughs> you know, so you start with that, and then you look at Laramie Tunsil in his third year. Jawan James is a guy that we kind of rely on. Uh, all we really worry about with Jawan James is, you know, his health. You kind of want your right tackle to be there for 16 games. You know, last mm. year him being out uh, did really hurt the team. So, you know, it's a lot of it is riding on Larry Mutunsel's further development. You remember his rookie year. You remember early on all the, you know, every what everybody was saying, like, you know, this guy's going to be here for 12 years. He's going to make a bunch of Pro Bowls. And he was then, the MMQ. He was the MMQB's midseason All Pro at left guard. Yeah, as a rookie and. 
slowly but surely all of that faded now we got to figure out why it faded i think it probably faded because of the turnstile at left guard all this time so mm. now he has no excuses now he has a, a multi all pro right next to him but i look at that offensive line and there's another guy on there that you know nobody really mentions but i thought that he had kind of a look last year in preseason and that's eric smith and i don't know what you guys think of him but is this a guy that we look at beyond this year that he can make a guy like uh Jawan james maybe expendable you know exactly what you're saying eric smith uh, are there any young guys really that um young or backups that i think you've hit it is a is a guy that could make an impact um, he was, if I, if I remember right, he took over from Morgan Moses, um, mm-hmm. in he college did, yeah. and, uh, and he's, he's, he's tough. He's a tough player. I watched him all through, uh, college, uh, at tackle. And I thought, well, at the NFL level, he might have to move inside because of the frame, but, um, but the guy moves well and he's really tough. He went into the senior bowl and played guard and I thought he was phenomenal at just the way that. The way that he puts everything that he has into into his blocks um, was really attractive. I think that uh, that he's a guy that you can watch among the backups that really could make an actual impact in one of these games. But um, otherwise, you know, I, I was going to ask you guys: Do you do you see any young players like Isaac Asiata or aside or Eric aside from Eric Smith? Um, you know, one of these young guys, David Steinmetz or Robbins Joseph or Joseph Robbins, sorry, um, Zach Stirrup, you know, any, anybody like that? Do you see do you see anybody that looks attractive to you? I mean, I was going to say Smith as well. And you, you talk about the you know, the light feet and the, the, the powerful punch that he has. Uh, certainly at Virginia, I'm just looking back at my notes, the draft notes. And, you know, the, the size and the frame is is kind of exactly what you're after. Right? That Those wide splits at Virginia that, that they played, certainly in pass protection, I think that's, and the injury, I think that's kind of hindered his progress a little bit. But, you know, I don't know a great deal about about Joseph Rubens or Rubens Joseph or, or you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, with the greatest respect in the world because he's not going to make the team. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, I think Steinmetz potentially has a chance. And I, and I think that in that, I don't think Isaac Asiata is long for this team. Steinmetz, Big Ten kid, four-year starter, uh, athletic enough, durable, powerful, you know, could probably kick inside to play. You know, full time play guard. I think that's probably where they, they they see him. They see him go. I think kind of leverage issues would be one of the concerns. And uh, you know, he may be a practice squad player, but I, I don't think Isaac Asiata is long for this this world. And we were asked a question on social media yesterday, and I can't remember who it was by, but somebody said, "Do you think we, we're looking to bring any pick up any sort of training camp cuts?" And and, and I do think that. Chris made the point in in reply that unless somebody gets injured, you know, it may be an issue defensive tackle. They might have a little feel about. I I do think guard potentially might be one of those positions if we if Asiata doesn't look to train on, if one of the young guys doesn't, because I think there's a potential possibility for for a player in there. But I like the offensive line. I I, I think it's interesting. And a friend of mine's a San Francisco 49er fan. He sort of backed up what we talked about, certainly what Chris talked about in terms of those games down the stretch last season with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. That he, you know, his level of play certainly stepped up at that point, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's something to, to applaud because I think he's a, a an interesting player who's going to need to be a really good player from week one. Mm. Okay. Well, before we go to break, I have one question right before the break, and that's, and this is another Twitter question, and this is from Shugs at Shugs, and he writes, Cam Wake. I don't know if you guys saw the 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 mic'd up section with uh with Cam Wake when he was talking about his yeah, cheat meal. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, and he writes, with Cam Wake's cheat meal being one slice of bacon a week, what's each of your cheats? How often? Or you can't cheat if you don't have any rules. So, Simon, first. What's my cheat food? It's oh, a great question. I don't really, I'm really, really, really careful about what I eat, which sounds really anal. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I stopped playing like sport, I was... Uh, I was like, oh, I just eat what I like, and then I suddenly thought, I can't just eat what I like because I'm just piling weight on. So then I had this <laughs> massive kind of health food gym kick, not gym kick, the great running back, but actual gym <laughs> <laughs> kick, um, and got in really good shape. And then 
so I'm really, really careful. I'm like really careful about what I eat. What would I? I mean, look, anything that's got chips with it. Uh, I mean, if I could eat burger and chips every day, I would absolutely, absolutely do it. Tell you what, I do eat quite a lot, of, which is not uh, unhealthy, but it's not cinnamon and raisin bagels, which oh. are absolute sex. Yes. I mean, but I, I'm a sucker do you have them for with sweet cream cheese stuff. or butter. I just have them with nothing. I just have them as okay. they are. But okay. look, anything, chocolate, cake, biscuits, any of that sort of stuff, I'm absolutely, I'm all over. But I just I just can't get it. Being 44 and, you know, I just can't do it because otherwise I'll just end up like 20 stuff. I just have to look at food and I put weight on. When it, You know, I'm trying to be as, as skinny and toned as possible if I eat. Like, if I look at a burger, I'm pretty sure I put on two pounds. Whereas I have to go to the gym for, like, a month just to work off, like, what looks like one chip. So okay. I don't really have cheat foods, unfortunately. That's a very long-winded way of saying I don't really do it. But if I did, it would be chips, cake, and chocolate. Okay. What about you, Chris? Yeah. I, I think everything that Simon just said, you have to take uh, with a grain of salt. That is one big disinformation campaign because we all know – that his big cheat is Indian food, which he oh, yeah. will steal from you. <laughs> he will take right off your yeah. plate. And, yeah, and that's it's, true. It's clearly yours. Okay, about and, 20 years ago, for those of you who don't know this story, about <laughs> 20 years ago, Chris came to London with his lovely wife, Britt, and we met up for dinner in um, in Covent Garden, which is a beautiful area of London, and we went to uh, just an Indian restaurant. And Chris ordered Pasanda. I ordered prawn korma. I can't remember what Britt ate. Or ordered, but it's been lost in the annals of Chris's mo of time. <laughs> anyway, so the dishes came, and I was pretty sure that the dish that was in a certain bowl was mine, and Chris was pretty sure it was his. And obviously, it, it was my country, so I was like, "You can fuck off! It's my. This is mine." Like <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome, fuck off. Yes. Um, so I started eating what I thought was the prawn korma. It didn't particularly taste like prawn korma, but it was nice. And Chris looked more and more, you know, irked as he was clearly eating my prawn korma. Uh, <laughs> Britt was just carrying on eating, you know, whatever she'd ordered. And, um, yeah, and then Chris kept going, that's mine. I was like, mate, it's not. And he was like, that's my pasanga. I was like, mate, it's not. Definitely not. And then it was like, this is prawn korma. That's my pasanga. I was like, no. I mean, you just it just tastes different over here. It's like when you come to the UK, if you eat if you have a Big Mac, <laughs> it tastes different. Indian food it does taste different in the UK. So, so yeah, I just so anyway. In the end, it was probably Chris's pasanda that I ate. Who the, the fuck waiter, knows? The waiter confirmed it. Yeah, the, yeah, waiter, the waiter confirmed it. The waiter was drunk. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. He'd been out the back drinking Indian wine. He didn't have a clue. Okay. I mean, well, it tastes speaking, different. In the I think you thought. I think he here. thought you said, "Is it Passover?" And he was like, <laughs> "I don't know." And he just felt guilty, so he just said, "Yes." I think that's what happened. And Simon <laughs> tried to pull this with the the nice lady that was sitting off sitting off to the side, you know, reading a newspaper over over in uh, the table next to us. He's he's trying to get her to agree agree. That's 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 not Passanda. That's Korma. <laughs> She right. was about eighty-five, so she yeah, again she didn't know. Even, okay. Yeah, it, she, she didn't know because she disagreed. <laughs> she said no. Well, she no, didn't that's... know. She didn't know. She just thought she just thought Chris was drunk and sort sort of Larry America, and I was trying to calm the situation down. Yeah. So, well, there you to go. answer to answer this guy's question, my cheat meal is eighteen cerveza modelos every Saturday. Okay, I don't know what that means. It's, it's... Cuban though. It's 18 cerveza <laughs> modelos. They're 18 oh, modelo beers. Okay. Uh, okay. Nice. Okay. I got you. I don't think I've drunk 18 beers this year. Whoa. I drank like 48 once in a day. Wow. I've and died. I was still alive when I, when, I, when, I, when I was done with it, too. Is that even possible? Like, yeah. what did you, what did you drink? Like, beer flavored soda? No, just beer. You drink your first one like around 9.30 in the morning, and you drink your last one at 4 in the morning, and you manage to drink 48 in a day. I, I could not drink. At nine thirty in the morning. I mean, I couldn't. Oh. I've done it once before on a stag weekend when we went to Barcelona. We were at the airport at like ten to six in the morning, and everybody was drinking and going, "Come on, you've got." It. And I was like, "I mean, literally, I just want a coffee or a tea. I, <laughs> I don't the, want a pint." Well, and the then tr- it was like, "You have to have the pint." So they got me a pint. And I just stood there and I kept lifting it to my mouth and pretending I was drinking it. I, I would rather have drunk my own piss than <laughs> than, than had a pint of pint of lager. Well, so, the, the the thing is this: when you drink a lot, the night before, 
and you wake up with a hangover, the only thing that will equalize you is the same liquor you were drinking the night before. What? Forty-eight? Okay. Were you drinking pints or like small bowls? Oh, twelve ounces. Twelve ounces. I don't know what that means. So they weren't sixteen ounces. Again, that's. Uh, okay. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give you an example. Have you seen? Uh, have pint, you seen Boys the, in the Hood? Yeah. Well, we consider the pint. <laughs> well, we consider the pint here in, in the United States is sixteen ounces, which is the um, same size as they might pour you at a pub in London. Okay. What's what's the what like just a normal bottle of Corona? What's like, that? Yeah, that's that is twelve ounces. So you drank. You drank 48 16-ounce bottles. Yes. No, 12-ounce bottles. So you drank 48 You drank bottles. 48 bottles of Corona in one day. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'd be dead. <laughs> I could I mean, I don't think the three of us could drink 48 Corona. This is about, this, this is about 20 This is about 24 years ago now, okay? Like now I cut down to about 12, you know, on a Again. decent night and like if I'm really doing it up, I'm probably about 18, you know. Fucking hell, you must have hollow legs. <laughs> I'd literally be pissing for about three days nonstop. I do take a lot, a lot of trips to the bathroom, yeah. So, yeah, my bladder's not what it used to be. Or behind trees. Yeah. Okay. I mean, animal. Anyway, <laughs> enough of our, well, our, enough of Chris's food stealing and an out alcohol <laughs> problem. Listen to these boys. This is the Five Reasons Sports Network. Sports by Miami, for Miami, on demand. We now have 10 podcasts in the network, posting roughly 15 times per week. All can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and several cross-platform apps. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Miami Heat Beat. Are we a Tyler Johnson away? Are we a Hassan? I can't even do that to you. I'm sorry. Breaking news. The Cavs are in shambles. <laughs> If you want to get involved as a sponsor or contributor, reach out to us at number five reason sports on Twitter and be sure to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. Hey, this is Seth Levitt and I am here with two time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the five reasons sports network to bring you our new podcast, the fish tank dolphins tales from the deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, big Seth. We've got some of your favorite all time dolphin players in the tank, sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch is chasing me <laughs> because you, you know, Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy. That guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. Hey, this is Gary and Thorne, host of the Fantasy on 5 podcast, part of the 5 Reasons Sports Network, letting you know that your fantasy football needs are covered this season. My co-host David Ganos and I will be leading you hand-in-hand through your draft and right up to Championship Sunday, offering our insight into the world of fantasy football. We'll also be inviting some of our friends from Sports Illustrated, Yahoo, and DraftKings. Look for us Tuesdays and Thursdays starting in July, wherever you currently listen to your favorite Five Reasons Network podcasts. Welcome back to part three of Three Yards Per Carry, uh, our, our second section. If you missed last week, it was our defensive preview of training camp. This is our offensive preview. Coming up in a sec, uh, we will look at running backs. Can Kenyon Drake develop into the potential superstar that Chris talked about that we all hope? Can Frank Gore get over a 1,000 yards again and, and sort of be the teacher that, that we're hoping he will be to that offense? And, and will... Um, Will Alf be able to contain himself as Kalen Balage suits up in tight trousers? Um, he's already had ten. He's already had ten bottles of Corona just during that advert. So, God knows what the second, the next part of the show is going to be. But before we get to the running backs, something sexy from the three yards per carry and the five reasons sports network. This is a little quiz. No, this is a little Chris. What? This what? is a little quiz. Take it away, Chris. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but when I, when I think sexy, I definitely think Texas Roadhouse. And that's what we have. We have $30 gift cards to Texas Roadhouse to give away if you can answer this question. And 
only people that have been listening to the show are going to be able to answer this question. And so this is for those people. Uh, the, be the first one to at us on Twitter and uh, and answer the question correctly, and you will get that $30 gift card. Otherwise, if you don't know the answer and you just want to say something funny, um, then you know just uh, quote the question and, and answer, and we'll be retweeting pretty much all of them and, uh, and maybe even say some of the funnier ones on, on next week's show. But the question is, Describe the contraband that Elf snuck past U.S. Customs on his way back from a Mexican cruise. Ooh, 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 ooh. Arna, Arna, me, me. Uh, Fuck, can I... No? No, you can't answer it. You're not going to win. Oh, the man. That is tight. I mean, yep. to be fair, I don't live in a country where there is a Texas roadhouse, so it's utterly, <laughs> utterly useless for me to win it anyway. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, that is... I mean that's unfair, frankly. Why can't we do it in an English restaurant? <laughs> okay. Let's talk running backs. What we do have is a pretty decent stack of players there. Yes, we so, do. So six players on the roster, Caelan Balage, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore and Sonoris Perry. Perry a fairly integral special teams player. And then Buddy Howe, who's the Florida Atlantic um uh, free agent that we picked up after the draft. And then Brandon Radcliffe, who's uh, the kind of the sixth the sixth back that we have on the on the roster. No no full backs but but Radcliffe um, has got to be an outsider, really, to make the roster, isn't he? You'd think. Um, I can't see that being a, a possibility. Do you think four backs that will carry this season, boys? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And speaking of Kenyon Drake, I'm starting to believe and I'm starting to think that maybe people in, around the NFL don't know who the hell he is. Because That's good, though. Big, yeah, I would say so. But because if you go to Twitter, and everybody can do the same exercise that I'm going to do right now, and you type in Kenyon Drake, okay, and the first thing that comes out is a tweet by Travis Wingfield. We know who he is. Okay, and he has a quote from Chris Wessling. Who the hell is Chris Wessling? Do, do any of you know? I do, yeah. He's the, uh, he's the guy that works for NFL Network. Okay. Just overcome cancer. Used okay. to, he has background with the Browns, I believe. Yeah. Okay, well, Chris Wessling, Chris Wessling says, and I quote, I wouldn't call Kenyon Drake explosive, and I don't buy into any of his late December runs. And then he also says, I don't think it's fair to evaluate Joe Mixon behind last year's Bengals offensive line. <laughs> then well, the very next tweet is from Michael Fabiano, and he's from NFL Network, and he's their fantasy guy. And he says, I'm really starting to rethink my fantasy take on Kenyon Drake. The more I read and research, the more I think a healthy Frank Gore is going to make it hard for Drake to meet expectations. Now, did these people watch him play last year? Have they watched him play at all? It's part of the narrative that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Ethan, isn't it? The national narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I truly believe that. I truly believe that. I mean, you know, I have a huge amount of respect for Chris, who I know well through who I know through Henry Hodgson um, at the NFL Network and uh, who's a massive Dolphins fan, I don't see anybody who could look at Kenyon Drake's film and not think he was an explosive player. I mean, uh, that to me is utter ludicrosity. It's not even a word, but it's that, that's how ludicrous it is. Um, uh, that, you know, I, I, you just, that's the one that confuses me. I can't, yeah. I can't see how you could say that he's not explosive. Explosive is what he has going for him. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, but to say he's not explosive, I mean, that's what he had. He was a home run guy. Uh, and that's, that's what he has going. I, I think he's going to be a superstar this year. I think that he can do it all. We know, we saw what he could do in Alabama catching the football. Um, and so we know that he can, they can factor in the passing game. Adam Gase has talked about this as, you know, there are backs that catch backs out of the backfield, you know, running in the flats and stuff like that. And then there are actually guys that you, get up on the line of scrimmage and hope for the mismatch and have him run a real route. And he's a guy that you get up on the line of scrimmage and hope for the mismatch, identify, ID it, and then uh, and then have him run the route and throw the deep ball to him. Uh, and they did this last year. Uh, and he was a big factor in the passing game last year. So, you know, put that together with his pass protection, which we saw at, uh, was really good last year. And the fact that he could average five yards a carry, five plus behind whatever offensive line that you give him. It was really amazing. 2016, 2017, um, consistently, you know, in that five plus yard per carry range, just no matter what. And, um, 
and I think that that's that that sells the story. He's he's huge, Simon. You, you know, we went next to him, and we're just mm-hmm. like, wow, that Kenyon Drake is is massive. We had we had no idea he was this big. We were we were there, weren't we? The Cleveland game, we were right on the go, kind of the goal line, standing on the on the sideline and the white of the of the sideline, and, and Jarvis was working out in front of us, and the receivers, and mm-hmm. and Kenny Stills, and then at the back of the end zone was just this huge behemoth, and we were. I mean, obviously, we knew that Drake was 32, and we knew, but both of us looked at each other and said, "Who's that guy?" Yeah, he looks knew, good, <laughs> but he looks huge. And we knew sure. that Drake was that. It wasn't like there was this, you know. Oh yeah, we forgot about this kid. It was, you know, but it was just every so well put together. But I think if used right and stays healthy, I think Drake could be a, a superstar. But Kenyon Drake is not what people think he is people think that he's this little scat back that just managed to break a tackle and have a few 50 yard runs no he's he's a pretty big guy he's he's well proportioned he's well put together and you know i don't think it's crazy to think that he could have one of those ridiculous seasons where he has 2000 from scrimmage like let's say 1250 Rushing and another 750 receiving. I don't think it's completely out of out of possibility that that could happen. The only thing that could stop him, I think, is Adam Gase's play calling. And if Adam Gase decides, you know, I want to see Frank Gore for you know 12 to 15 snaps a game, and I want to see Callum Balaj for another 10, and he limits Kenyon Drake's touches that way, or if he gets hurt. But if he's completely healthy and he's the bell cow, which Adam Gase seems to want to do then yeah you could have you could have a guy put together a pretty big big season now let me ask you guys about another guy on this team not Colin Bellage Sonoris Perry does he make the team I think he's under he's going to be under pressure because they're just new bodies there right there's Brandon Radcliffe and Buddy Howell and I know that Darren Rizzi has already even mentioned Buddy's name so you know that that's got to feel good for him um but Sonoris Perry did stand out for me last year. You know, you go back to preseason. I know people kind of discount this, but uh, specifically for how he looked when carrying the ball in the Dolphins zone game, you know, zone outside zone, inside zone. He, he had a he had this really great feel or it seemed like it um, a really great feel for the lane development and zone plays. And so I, he caught my eye there and I thought, well, Actually, I would like to see him get the ball a little bit more and just see how deep this goes. So we're going to have another another chance to see him this preseason, and he'll get a good amount of carry, carries. I think that um, that he will make the team. I think that as a fourth running back, and they're going to want to keep. Um, usually, will want to keep four running backs if you can. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I think what you've got to look at with Sonoris is that he's somebody that's played under Gaze in two systems now. Played in Chicago with him, so he knows him. Loggins knows him. You know, he led the Bears in 2014 in special teams tackles, forced two forced fumbles. Uh, my, my concern would be that as a running back, just averaged 3.8 yards a carry and only two career receptions in, in in the time when he's got the ball, and he suffered a fairly serious concussion back end of last season. I don't know if you remember on a kickoff return. He got absolutely walloped, mm. um, and I wonder whether or not how that affects his special teams play. Um, I, I, I think the kid out of Florida Atlantic's got a chance, and I think he's kind of because Radcliffe has sort of bounced around a few teams. I think Howe's got a shot, but I think it's a small shot. And essentially, I think you know because the team is quite you know without Damian Williams now, you know the team is definitely looking for some bell cows on you know on special, without Michael Thomas, um, you know you're looking for those bell cows on special teams, and you, you know. Perry is absolutely is absolutely one of those guys. Okay, well, before we move on to all the pass catchers, we have a Twitter question, and this one is from Poldy Anslinger at Poldy Anslinger. And this one, he directs it directly at me. He says, this one is especially for at Uptown Report. How many overall yards will Callum Balaj get as a rookie? Well, I'd love to tell you that he's going to get 1,600 yards, but he won't. What I can tell you is that in the preseason, he might lead everybody in yards because he's going to get plenty of touches in the regular season i just don't see where he gets enough to make as many yards to actually make a difference now will adam gase find him some touches as a third down back maybe if somebody's injured if frank gore gets hurt 
then yeah, he might get you know ten, twelve touches a game. But as far as yards in the regular season, I'm I'm hoping for a healthy Kenyon Drake. And if Kenyon Drake is healthy, then it's pretty hard to find a backup as good as Frank Gore. So I think Kellen Balaj is somebody that you store and wait for later. But if need be, he could be a pretty good performer for you this year. But in the preseason, watch him in the preseason. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna put to, put together some pretty big numbers in the preseason because I don't figure that Drake, especially not Frank Gore. I don't think Frank Gore is going to play at all in the preseason, but I don't think Drake is going to play too much. So, yeah, Kellen Balaj, look for him in the preseason. Hopefully he gets in in the regular season, but I don't expect him to have a big year this year. That brings us to our pass catchers and our tight ends. And at tight end, we're going to have Mike Gusecki, Marquise Gray, Durham Smythe or Smith. Everybody's pronounced it each way. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. A.J. Derby, Gavin Escobar, Thomas Duarte for for what seems like his 15th season on the Dolphins. And, of course, across the, the wide receiver course, Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, and then you have the rest of that group. Out of the rest of that group, who's in danger? Who makes the team? Because I count, I say five, they keep maybe six. So... Who's obviously an endangered species here, Chris? I think uh, the at, at first off, let's go wide receiver. I think this is Leonte Carew's final final year in Miami. Um, I think that he's gonna, you know, he got off on the wrong foot in uh, 2016 by not taking things very seriously, and uh, he he made a valiant attempt to sort of remake himself last year. But in the end, you, you get opportunities, you get on the field, and uh, and you got to produce. And he's he was on the field actually for more pass snaps than Jakeem Grant last year, but he didn't produce, and uh, Jakeem Grant did. So you look at the two of them, and and one of those two guys, you know, took advantage of every opportunity, the other didn't. And so um, I think that uh, Leonte Carew is is done here. Uh, the top five, you have Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant. And that's it. They might, they might go ahead and keep a sixth guy, but even if they do keep a sixth guy, my money's not on Leonte Carew. So I, I watch out for him. And then I, I don't know what you think about the tight end side, but I actually think they're going to keep four. Simon, what do you, uh, what do you see? Yeah. I, I was just thinking about that. I think they'll probably keep four as well. The, the X factor being that maybe they sack off a fourth running back and, and sort of make Marquise Gray a sort of hybrid fullback, sort of move tight end kind of guy, mm-hmm. which I think is a possibility. Um, I mean, tight end wise, I think, you know, Jasicki, obviously, um, I think they, they, they just talked about AJ Derby too much to, to just, you know, get rid of him. And I'd be surprised given his ability as a, as a, you know, a blocking tight end if if Durham Smith slash Smythe doesn't make the team, you know, which is potentially tough on Gavin Escobar. You know, Thomas Duarte really hasn't shown a great deal since we we drafted him out of UCLA. Um, but I, I do think that you know there is a relationship that Marquise Gray has a as a kind of mentor for that tight end room, but also with with, with Tannehill. They 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 you know have combined. You know, one of Tannehill's best ever throws as a Dolphin against the Steelers was to Marquise Gray, where he rolls out to the left. Um, and throws back against his body sort of 40, 50 yards down to Gray down at the sort of three or four yards line. Um, but they've had a connection. And I think Marquise's disappearing play has been, you know, over the last season and a half has been down to the fact that, that he's not been working with Tannehill, who they seem to they seem to get on very well with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think they'll carry four. And I, and I do wonder whether or not there's a potential to, you know, to, to shuffle the pack a little bit so that Marquise becomes a, you know, because he carried the ball a few times at the back end of last season, a bit like when we, when we had Charles Clay in the early days of Charles Clay. Um, so you know, I think there's a role definitely for Gray, um, who's a good special teams player as well. But I do, I do wonder about the just the core blocking ability that you had with an Anthony Fasano last year that's now no longer there. But you certainly pick up that excellent blocking ability with with, with Smythe, Slash Smith. Be interesting battle, but uh, you know, Jasicki obviously. The, the, uh, and it's interesting with Jasicki as well. It feels like they're everybody's sort of talking him down a little bit. We don't want to make it too, you know. Yeah. Or he's you know he's taking a little while to get going. When really it kind of feels like. Everybody's a little bit mm, okay. This yes. kid could be something, but we've got to keep a lid on it. We've got to keep a lid on yeah. it. Yeah. You know, let's not talk him up too much because otherwise, you know. But I just get the impression, I just get the feel. You, you know, you see some of those social media videos. You hear 
some of the press conferences, but also you, know, you talk to some of the other journos, the you know Bees and, and Dave Hyde and people like that, and Joe Shad, and uh, and you talk to the people that we know within the Dolphins, and you just get the impression that something special might be. Yeah, maybe we maybe I'm just reading into it, but we've yeah. all had the same feeling. Maybe there's just something that they feel like they might have a bit of a monster here that you know could really become something. Well, Bill Barnwell says that Mike Gusecki's not going to be any good because the second round hasn't produced many good tight ends. Oh, well, so, that's good of him. Yeah, so, yeah, no, the, the media has piled on, and I, I think that we're living, like, in a parody, to be honest with you. Because If the Patriots had drafted Mike Jasicki, he would have been the second coming of Bob Gronkowski yes. mixed with Keith Jackson. And Bill Barnwell would have said that that's why the Patriots are so good, because they draft a guy that's going to have, you know, 1,200 yards and 15 mm. touchdowns. <laughs> you know, but, you know, who cares about them? I will say this, guys. There's one guy, and I'm a big fan of his, come out undrafted out of the University of Miami, and that's... Rashawn Scott, does he make the team on his just pure football ability? Because he can't run from here to there very, very fast. He's not going to jump through the roof, but he's physical, he's, and he's a very, very good football player. Does he I make the team? A, he, we've certainly flirted with him a little bit. You know, he was on the, you know, on the team, off the team, on the practice squad, on the, you know, called up to the, you know. So it, it, it's he's certainly in the mix. I think he's going to battle Isaiah Ford and potentially Malcolm Lewis for that. You know, potential sixth roster spot. Uh, he's certainly a, a practice squad candidate. Uh, I I tend to think I I think Isaiah Ford has got a, a decent outside shot at the at the gig over Scott. I, I, I think that'll be a very interesting battle. Drew Morgan in the mix as well. Potentially Francis Owosu as well. Um, I'm not as low on Leonte Carew, but I get that it probably is last chance cafe for him. Yeah. Um, when he's in the game and he gets thrown to and stuff, he's made plays. You know, he gets. I think the more he's in the game, and the more I think maybe he's just one of those human beings that, unless he's in the nub of the action, then he he struggles to get into the game. But I, I feel that he gets connected once he's into the game, if you see what I mean. And I don't ever think he's had quite that opportunity. And that's not blaming the coaches. That's ultimately Leonte Carew's responsibility to to be like that. But um, yeah. you know, um, but I do think he's probably at, you know close to the. The end, but I, I, I like Isaiah Ford. You know, he's a big, he's six two, maybe six. He's quite a big they guy. Six two, one, two. Yeah. yeah, six two, one ninety five. So he's got, uh, and let's not forget, he played pretty well at, at times at Virginia Tech. I mean, as a freshman, I think he set reception, receiving and reception and yardage records, and you know, he was uh, he was talked about as a as a potential, you know, mid round, early to mid round draft pick at times. You know, and then he fell out the. Back window, as it were, and went undrafted. But oh, we'll go him in the side. Was he a seventh round pick or was he undrafted? I can't remember, but one of the two. He was um, a draft pick. Yeah, yeah, seventh rounder, I think. And then he had the knee injury last year. But I, I, I think Ford would be is an interesting one just to keep an eye on. You know, Adam Gase. Adam Gase actually talked about and and has mentioned Isaiah Ford as somebody that he's a, and and this is this is interesting because it's I think the second year in a row when we heard rumors that either heard rumors or actually heard Gase refer to him in public, you know, that he likes Isaiah Ford. And so he had injuries last year and, and that, um, that, that hurt him. Uh, so I think that you're actually going to see a lot of Isaiah Ford in the, uh, in the preseason rather. Um, and he's, he's going to get a look because of the fact that they couldn't give him a look last year uh, with the injury stuff. Rashawn Scott, you know, that could come a little bit. Those opportunities for Ford could come at the expense of Rashawn Scott because they may feel like, you know, they have a little bit better idea of what they have with him. Um, and, and whereas they want to see, they want to see Isaiah Ford and get a good look at him so that they can make this decision on the sixth guy. Okay. Well, before we get out of here, I got some Twitter questions to read out. I have quite a few, so let's try to be brief with these. And this first one is from Shruli Dukeman at The Real Shruli. He's like our fourth co-host on this show because he's had his <laughs> question answered at least five times already. But he sends another one. And this one says, what type of role will Albert Wilson see this year? So you could take that one, Simon. Uh, I think he'll be the three slash four. Uh, I think he will be short areas. I think he will be quick, getting in and out of breaks. I think he's a potential second deep threat behind Kenny Steele's. Um, I saw that he, I saw a statistic this week that his 
um, ability to take the ball when caught from behind the line of scrimmage was the best in the NFL in terms of making yardage um, when catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So I think that might be something the Dolphins, you, you know, he gets 0-60 to very quickly. Um, I think he'll be a sort of jack-of-all-trades, doing all sorts of things, getting open. That, that short area quickness will be huge for us, I think. And, um, you know, but don't don't sleep on him because uh, he'll he'll cut to the outside and make it look like he's going to catch a, a three-yard out and then he'll buck it upfield and go 60 yards on you. So uh, I think he was slightly underutilised with the Chiefs uh, and you're not going to want to line up with him with a safety or a linebacker covering because he'll, he'll kill you, especially if you go four receiver sets. You've got Amandola and and him in the slot, and you've got Kenny and uh, and Devontae outside, and you've got Gasicki there as well. You know, who are you going to cover? That's the thing we've always just said on this, you know, and then chuck one of the, uh, let's chuck a Balaj in motion, and let's chuck a Kenyon out of the backfield, and, you know, who are you, who are you matching up with? So yeah. Albert's going to get a lot of passes because he's going to be matched up on on um, on inferior players, I, I, I think. So uh, hopefully that answers Shrewley's question. Okay. Well, th- we have this one from Chris Ballard at The Jeweler, and he writes... How do you see the distribution of passes shaking out? Think it'll be more even among several, or will there be one clear favorite target who becomes the new the new Jarvis Landry? I almost said Tom Landry, but uh, you can take this one, Simon. Is there going to be a target monster on this team, or it's going to be really, I would say, well distributed? Uh, I think the latter. I think it'll be hugely well distributed because it's been obvious when we've had a target monster that it's not worked. And I, and I think the, the the core of the receiving talent at tight end at running back and wide receiver is so diverse that it just lends itself to Ryan finding the open man, whether that's Amandola, whether it's Parker, Stills, Justicki, AJ Derby, Balage, whoever. I think there's so many options. I think that's why they've got three really good backs out in the backfield who can really run, who can catch. You know, that, that's why they like Derby and they talk him up. That's why they drafted Gasicki, and then they've got all these receivers, and we've talked ad infinitum about what they can do and how they'll do it. Mm-hmm. So I do not think you'll get a guy catching 100 passes. You might get a 40 here and a 60 here and a 22 here and a 36 there and a 58 here, and you know you'll get a lot of people because I, I, the the offense is better when there are the nobody knows where they're throwing next. You know, yeah. it's it's that's just the way it's going to be, and it may be that one. You know, one series we see Amandola and Parker and Jasicki and and a bit of Stills, and the next we see Derby and Marquise Gray and Ballage and you know and Amandola and Wilson. I think it's almost going to be done on a series by series and maybe even a down by down basis. I think you know and uh, and, and more power to that. Let, let's see more of that, please. I think uh, a guy we pick on some Devonte Parker. Um, the offense could really explode if he actually takes that you know goes out and seizes it you know not uh not doing it just be, just because but um but if they if he ends up getting like 100 plus targets and uh and becomes sort of the number one guy um that would be would be great for the offense but uh, otherwise I, I i think it's going to be spread around because um in particular because i i think you're going to want to pull kenny stills off the field a little bit to get albert wilson on or to get jakeem grant on and uh, all three of those guys can can run some of the same routes and play some of the same roles danny amadola is going to get i mean if you look at the the um the sort of chemistry that Tannehill generally has with slot players Mm-hmm. Uh, and Danny Amendola is probably the purest slot player on the team right now, and um, and I think that he's going to get quite a quite a bit of Ryan Tannehill's attention uh, this year. And if he stays healthy, if he stays, that's the thing. Nobody thinks he's going to stay healthy for 16 games. Yeah. Even though he, if you think about it, he hasn't really lost. He hasn't really uh, missed that many games. I think he's missed six games the last three years. Six yeah, regular season it's, games. It's not that much but um if he if he does play all 16 games then he might be a ball hog uh based on the way that ryan Tannehill tends to use his slot players so um that's that's something to watch out for before we ask the last question and we get out of here give me a name simon who leads the team in target kenny stills and then mike jasicki Okay, Chris? Uh, Danny Amendola, if he plays all 16 games. Okay. But otherwise, Kenny Stills. I think that Devontae Parker is going to surprise people this year. And he's going to have a good year. And he's going to have, I would say, let's put a number on it, 95 targets. And he leads the team. All right, the last question. And this is from Snacks Harrison at Hot Take Harry. He's a member of Miami Heat Beat on our network. And he's a fan of Jakeem Grant. And he asks, 
How many balls will Jakeem Grant catch this year? And I'll rephrase his question. Give me what you would consider a successful season or successful usage for Jakeem Grant. Simon. 40 catches. Okay. That, to me, is a successful season. And you would throw him the ball how? You would have him run nine routes? or you would Through throw the him? air. Okay. <laughs> well, I would hope so. But you would you would have him do a lot of that behind-the-line of scrimmage stuff that they well, were I'd doing? Him, I'd have him do jet sweeps and screens and middle screens, but I'd also throw to him deep down the field. He showed in preseason against the Vikings, he showed against the Patriots in the regular season, you know, that you can throw it to him down the field. And then, he, you know, he showed against the Chiefs that you could throw it to him short and see what he does. Yeah. He's a talented player. He's difficult to cover. And again, uh-huh. when you've got Parker outside and Shiki outside and, you know, you're going to get him lined up with a, you know, safety or a number three corner. And then let's, let's see what happens. All right, Chris. He's a player that I, I honestly, I feel so good about him, uh, despite his size and everything that as much as you want to use him is the more, the more you use him, the better it's going to be for the team all the way up to as much uses usage as uh, as a Tyreek Hill gets. I think that the more you get him the ball, the better, but a successful year for relative to what we've been talking about with him, which is you know always complaining that he's never out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forty catches, like Simon said, would be a phenomenal year. I look at uh, the comparison they had of Taylor Gabriel to him, uh, the, which is something that Dowell Lagain said. Taylor or Taylor Gabriel was in Cleveland the year that Dowell was there as the quarterbacks coach. You know he's familiar with what these what what they could both do and and how they look he's going to run a lot of deep routes and uh, i'm gonna tell you he's he leads everybody already so far in otas and mini camps as far as the the number of deep field plays that he's made down the field and if they do it in the season and just decide that he's a starter and he's going to get a hundred you know plus targets you're you're never going to regret that in my opinion um it, it can go as deep as you want it to go. He'll have 500 yards and those 40-something catches, but I think he'll make maybe six or seven touchdowns, and that will make for him probably the most important wide receiver on the team besides Devontae Parker because I think that will make Kenny Stills expendable in the very near future. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, we will be back next week. I have no idea what we'll be doing, but we'll be moments away from live actual live action um, in terms of training camp so let's hope that the guys can stay healthy don't forget you can follow us at uptown report at ck power at cyclancy on uh, on twitter don't forget the five reasons sports network and the seventy-two thousand podcasts that we do on there now uh balls cast balls up balls dropped balls on the floor balls in the ball bag that's just five of them just about balls um no, seriously, Chris and Ethan do a great job, and you can find them all at Five Reasons Sports uh, as part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.